0: We're live, everybody, welcome... (laughs) Sorry to tell here, normally the lights come up, this is fun. Guys, if we haven't met yet, my name is Josh Timms and I get to be a part of leading the porch over in Fort Worth. Shout out to Fort Worth and um, similar and just actually not similar, exactly the same as you heard uh, here in Dallas, they are reopening. We are also reopening next week in Fort Worth, so uh, we would love to have you join us. And so um, here's, here's where I'd like to start this evening. Who in here uh, likes the um, like New Year's resolutions? Anyone in here do New Year's resolutions? A few of you guys have some friends joining me. Okay, I love them. I think they're great. It makes me feel like I'm moving the needle. You know, I feel I, there's times where I've felt good about them even if I didn't haven't done them. But I love New Year's resolutions. And there was a year that I decided for my New Year's resolution, I am quitting sugar or at least all things sweets, Okay, I'm, I'm cutting I'm cutting sugar out. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be I'm going to be fit. It'll be awesome. And um, there was one there was like one singular thing that I was like, this is, this is going to, if, if anything's going to take me out, if there's going to be one thing that robs me of fulfilling my year commitment to a year without sugar, it was donuts. And to be really specific, it was the original Krispy Kreme donuts, okay? You feel me? Yes, because uh, without, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was the best donut out there. And so I, I knew that to be the case. And so friends, um, I pulled it off. I mean, largely, there was a Gatorade here too. I forgot that I drank a little sugar, but for the, uh, largely I... Spent an entire year without sugar. But during that year, I thought about donuts. And I was like, man, it'll be awesome. And finally, the day came. It had been a year. I fulfilled my commitment. It is time. We all know what's happened. I'm getting some donuts. So I'm excited about it. I drive up to Krispy Kreme. It's amazing. It feels like I can smell it from miles away. If you guys have ever been there, when it like rolls right off the like belt and it like melts in your mouth and I'm excited about this. And I get there and um, my girlfriend now, girlfriend at the time, wife now had said, you know, you should just have one, you know, just one donut. Get there. I'm like, yes, I will have a whole box. I'll take 12 of them. And, And then I was like, yeah, I'll just take 12 of them and then just leave them at home. And I'll just have one now. And then for the next 11 days, um, and I wholeheartedly did not follow that advice either. And I ate all 12 delicious donuts in one setting. And it was amazing. It really was. It was incredible. I loved it. Um, in the moment, absolutely amazing. And then there was something interesting that happened. I didn't see this coming. Um, where like, man, like my stomach started to like not feel good. And then I went from like not feeling good to where um, I spent most of the rest of my day on the porcelain crown of my home. Like that's just where I was, friends. It messed me up. There was things happening inside of me that I didn't know could happen inside of me. And all because what I had done is I had taken this like desire and turned it into this like man, fully indulging on everything that I wanted. And the reason I start there tonight is because we are going to talk about two sins the Bible identifies as deadly and that is laziness and gluttony. Laziness and gluttony. And, and uh, I just wrote some definitions down so we can uh, have an understand we're all talking the same language. And gluttony is, is just this. It's, just, it's excessive consumption. It's excessive consumption. We often think of it, uh, you know, in relation to food, but it's not limited to that. And then laziness is really the avoidance of effort or responsibility. And at the core, they really are both like seeking to gratify self. And so for our purposes this evening, I'm, I'm going to put them under one umbrella of self-indulgence. And uh, self-indulgence, I just wrote this down, you, you can do it as well. Self-indulgence is excessive or unrestrained gratification of one's own appetites. And friends, I, I, I want you to, I want you to, to listen closely uh, this evening. And it's incredibly important because uh, genuinely I believe that everything that you want in life rises and falls on your ability to master your self-indulgence. Like your future career depends on whether or not you're able to master your self-indulgence. Your future marriages depend on whether or not you can master your self-indulgence. And and, and if I'm just really honest, especially in the United States of America, I believe that self-indulgence is responsible for sending more people to hell than any other sin. It's incredibly important, and, um, and it's something that every single one of us deals with. There's not a single person uh, listening here in the room tonight that doesn't deal with the desire to self-indulge. And so tonight we're going to talk through three things. We're going to talk through the presence of self-indulgence, the problem of self-indulgence, and then the path to true satisfaction. Before we jump in tonight, I would just like to take a moment. I'm going to pray for us before we jump in and just would invite you to pray for me as we open God's word and see what he has to say. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word, uh, to sit underneath your truth, to understand um, what you have to tell us about how to live and and that life to the full is found in you. And Father, I I pray that tonight for every person listening, Father, that you would do an amazing, incredible work in their life. That you would give us all humility to, to sit underneath the truth of your word that we might be changed to look more like you and father I just ask and pray selfishly for myself that men uh, you would be with my words that anything that I would say that is not in line with you that it would be forgotten and uh, and father may we come um, may we end our evening just being more in love and more excited about you you know I pray amen uh, okay friends uh, for our for the first point we we're going to jump into first this evening is in the text Philippians chapter 3. And so before we get to Philippians chapter 3, just to pull our first point out, I'm going to set up a little bit of context here. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, okay? He's writing to the church in, in Philippi, and here in chapter 3, what he's doing is he's calling out false teachers. He's calling out false teachers that have been placing these, like, expectations on other believers that were not in line with God's word, and he's exposing their false doctrine. And so that's where we're at, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17-17. 19. If you've got your Bibles, open them up and follow along. Paul says this: Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. So the first thing we're gonna talk through this evening is the presence of self-indulgence, the presence of self-indulgence. See, I, I, I think uh, that laziness, we believe that laziness and gluttony should be really easy to recognize. Like in our minds, it's kind of like, hey, you know, uh, laziness and gluttony, that's like the guy who doesn't have a job and he still lives in like mom and dad's basement, you know? And um, gluttony, that's the person who like, lays on the couch and eat potato chips all day long. So really, we just kind of shrink it down, you know, to uh, overeating, really. And um, uh, we shrink it down to overeating and being overweight. And I think what happens when we do that, when we shrink those things down to just being overweight or um, overeating, I think that we, it's easy for us to go, oh, that's not me. That's not me. Like, I, I, that isn't, like laziness and gluttony, that's like for, for other people, but that's not really me. And here's the thing, self-indulgence is incredibly more subtle than that. It's incredibly more subtle. Um, Like gluttony doesn't always look like being 400 pounds. Like here's what gluttony could look like. It could look like you're in the gym every single day so that on the weekends, you can drink as much beer as you want and not get fat. I actually remember that conversation when I was college. Age. It could also look like this. Uh, laziness could look like this. You, have, you know, we've all been here. Maybe you guys haven't been here, but I'm here a lot because I own a truck. You got that one friend who's moving, you know, so they call you up. You got the truck, and they're, they're, uh, you get a text from them, and you know what that text is about. And so you leave that text unread so that you can truthfully tell them like, hey, I'm so sorry after you've moved in. I, didn't, I hadn't read my text yet, okay? I, it, it, is, it hides itself in our, in our lives, which is what makes it so deadly is because it isn't always easy for us to recognize in our lives. In fact, if I'm really honest, it shows up in a, in a, in a, in a place inside of my heart where I, what I want to do is I want to work really hard. Like I wanna like, Hit the grind really hard so at 35 I can retire and then spend the rest of my life like in swim trunks on the beach, you know, like and and so it doesn't look like it. You're like, oh, that is not really is it discipline? No, I'm telling you, like I want to work hard so that later on in life that I can just essentially do whatever I want, whenever I want. And if we're honest, none of us actually think that we're self indulgent. And the reason we don't think it is because we justify our actions. Maybe you can relate to this. Uh, uh, like, yeah, man, I just had a hard day at work. So, like, I, I deserve this glass of wine. Or maybe, uh, man, I, I don't need to work hard at my job because if I'm honest, I'm just not really passionate about it. Or, man, I just had a really tough conversation, you know, and so I need me just a, a little retail therapy. Or, for here, I'll just welcome you into, into my life this week I, uh, come Saturday, and I just had a hard, I just had a long week at work and there's a part of me it's like man I just this has been a stressful week and so I feel like it's okay for me to sleep until 10 and, and neglect responsibilities that I have that's inside all of us see none of us think that we're self-indulgent because um, it is it is hidden inside of us but yet Paul is saying here in Philippians that our actions reveal our hearts Paul tells us that our actions, really, they expose our self-indulgence. I mean, I'll read it to you again. He says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Self-indulgence is present in your life when your appetite is your God. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by your appetite? What I mean by appetite is just your desires and your cravings, okay? Not just a uh, appetite for food or drink, but like your desires and your cravings. And then what does it mean? What do I mean when making your appetite your God? It just means God, uh, be, making something a God in your life means your whole life revolves and centers around it. Okay, so to make your appetite your God just means that your life revolves around satisfying your desires and your cravings. Plainly, what it means is that our life revolves around us. And if we see here in the text, man, Paul says some things that just hit home here for me. That, are, that are, they, they sound really harsh, but I think he's trying to wake, he's trying to like shake us out of like, no, no, this isn't just something that's outside or just for those people over there, but it's inside of all of our hearts, this desire to self-indulge. And he says some three things that I think are, are really crazy. He says, man, if that's you, if that's me, our life is, your life is headed for destruction. You're gonna have a life that is marked by shameless selfishness and it will not matter in eternity. Friends, our appetites were never meant to be our God. God is meant to be God. And here's what's crazy. And, and you guys, I mean, we, we all know this. We all understand this, that appetites don't shrink when you feed them. They grow. Like the more that you consume, the more that you want to consume. And so what makes them such a terrible God in their lives is that, one, they're never satisfied. And then they're always changing. God is meant to be God in our lives. And so, um, man, I, I, I want to like care for you. But there's some of you in the room, I can't help but feel like um, may, maybe hearing this and just invalidating me. Like, man, but hold on, Josh. Like, look, yes, I'll, like, have a drink or two, but, like, I don't need those things, you know? Like, I don't, I don't need a drink. I don't, I don't need the, the uh, food, the chocolate bar. I don't, I don't need to play video games. Great. Prove it. Like, don't do that for a week. I, I'm not saying that because I, those things are bad, but because there is often self indulgence hiding inside of our hearts. And our conduct shows and reveals that inside of us. And so, um, man, those things in our life that we crave, that we desire, I'm not saying your desires, your cravings are bad or that you can't fulfill them and and satisfy them in moments. What I am saying is that uh, they may not be as innocent as you think. And you may be feeding your self-indulgence. And so just to recap, self-indulgence is often more present than we believe. And so now with an understanding of just how present self-indulgence is in our hearts, let's see if we can understand the danger. So if all of us are dealing with it, what is the problem? Why is it so bad? And why is it so dangerous? And we're going to be in James chapter 1, just two verses, 14 and 16. And uh, just to set this up, James Reader's uh, at this point, he's writing this letter to these people who are suffering persecution at the time. And they're living in poverty, and and a lot of them were living, uh, they were believers living just like, really worldly, uh, completely apart from what God had to say. And James is correcting them and challenging them to turn back to God. And here's what he says. It's James chapter 1, verses 14 and 16. He says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. My second point tonight, the second thing I'm gonna talk through this evening is the problem. The problem of self indulgence. And it starts, here's, here's what the problem is it all starts with the desire. Self indulgence begins at its very core, just the desire in our hearts. And here's the thing, every single one of us desires to be full, to be content, and to be happy. So what that means is you and I, we pursue things that make us that promise. Like anything that promises that it's going to fulfill those desires, we pursue those things. Which means that we often self-indulge. It just means that um, we, when we feel these desires, which if you're anything like me, any desire that you have, you feel really strongly. And so we believe that self-indulgence is going to be the thing that appeases that desire or that craving. We self-indulge because doing whatever feels good in the moment is what we want. And, and the problem James explains here is that we are believing a lie. Or at least a half-truth. And if you go back and, you, and I'm going to reread those, those verses to you because uh, James in this moment uses a really jarring illustration explaining just how um, this sin in our heart that that hides itself in here and how we all deal with it. He he uses a really jarring illustration to show us just how painful and dangerous it is. I'm going to read this again. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth, or in your version might say conceive, sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. The illustration is one of a stillborn. And it's really sobering. Like, I've had friends who have, who have been pregnant and then had a miscarriage. And, and here's what's like so, like, jarring about it is that when when someone is pregnant like man there's life in there this is exciting i recently two months ago my wife and i had our first kid i mean it's exciting there's there's amazement you're you're there's anticipation and you can't wait and then you go from there's life in there there's life found there there's life in there to so like life is not there it leads to pain and sadness and what James is trying to do is that he's trying to tell you and I that we often are going to think there's life found in indulging in what I want. There's life found in satisfying my desires. But he's going, don't do that. Don't, don't believe that. There's not life there. And if you believe there's life there, it is only going to lead to pain and sadness in your life. Self-indulgence works exactly the same way. You think there's life there. But in the end, there isn't. And so often, at least for me, I remember when I first started reading the Bible, it's easy for me like, man, he's saying that sin leads to death, but like, man, I just like slept with my girlfriend. I didn't fall over dead. And so I don't know if I can trust the Bible. Let me me do as best as I can walk you through what I mean and what James is is saying when he says that sin leads to death. You see, when self-indulgence becomes a habit, it consumes all of your time and energy, meaning all of your time and energy becomes focused around you just getting what you want. And what happens with that is it, it, begins, it gives you, or you begin to have a decline in your motivation and in your health. And, and, and so a lack of time and energy in a job often leads to a death of a job. Proverbs, Proverbs 10 says this, Proverbs 10, 11, and 12, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. A lack of time and energy for relationships can lead to the death of a friendship. A self-consumed friend is a really bad friend. A self-consumed friend is not a friend that stays a friend very long. And friends, if you and I continue if we continue just to indulge if we continue just to satisfy our own desires in the moment do what we want when we want in the moment it really does lead in practical ways death in our life here on earth and then really in a much bigger and much more serious way it can lead to death spiritually and for eternity how I'll explain When you and I believe that life is centered around me getting what I want, what we are saying and what we are believing is that I'm God of my life. God isn't God of my life. I'm God of my life. And if you have taken over the throne where only God is supposed to stand, that means there is a you and God are not reconciled, which means when the end of your physical life comes, it means eternal. Eternally you'll be separated from him. Friends, I, I want to implore you, James is imploring you, do not be misled. There's not life there. And, and, and we're not alone. I, I do this. Like it is so easy for me to go like just in the moment. The easiest thing for me to do is whatever I want to do. And I just have to be reminded that ultimately there's not life there. Laziness and gluttony always, always. Overpromise and under to deliver. And so, if self indulgence equals making our appetite our God, and if we self indulge because we buy the lie that it will satisfy, a life marked by self indulgence is going to lead to death. And so, uh, my next point for this evening is just we're going to walk through the path to real satisfaction. We're going to walk through the path to real satisfaction. And just to go back, the problem of self-indulgence, if you're a note taker, is this. It makes a promise that it can't deliver. The problem of self-indulgence is that it makes a promise that it can't deliver. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. And this is uh, the beginning of Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins with the Beatitudes. And he says something incredibly radical. Incredibly radical. Because how are we to do this? Because if you're anything like me, I'm a little bit like, man, I've got like strong desires and I, I don't know how I can move from not choosing to do what I want, when I want. How is it that I make it there? And, and Jesus just says it really plainly. Matthew 5, chapter 6, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He makes us a promise. You see, the promise of self-indulgence that it doesn't deliver on is that you're going to be satisfied. And even though you may in a moment feel satisfied, in the end it doesn't deliver. Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. And so our path, the beginning of a path towards satisfaction is to hunger and thirst for what alone satisfies. And here's where I want you guys to understand something. Your desires... Your cravings, the fact that you want more, the fact that you want happiness, that there's something so real inside of all of us was given to you by God. Like he didn't give that to you as like some sort of a sick joke of man, I'm gonna give you these desires and you guys figure out how to handle them. No, he gave them to you on purpose. He gave them to you on purpose because what he wants is for you to pursue them to the end with something that will truly satisfy, which is him. In him alone, the desires that God gave you are not bad. In fact, they are God-given. And what he wants for you is to pursue them and to drive you to what ultimately will satisfy you. There's an there's a author that I love a lot. His name is C.S. Lewis, and he has one of my favorite quotes ever. One of my favorite quotes ever on this topic, and I think it's so insightful. He's a man that loved the Lord and he really understood humanity and our brokenness. And he says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. I'm gonna say that again. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're like me at all, I remember before I was a believer, I just thought like, man, there's just something. I just crave more than other people. Like this whole like Jesus thing it's great, but like I I just need more. And what C.S. Lewis is saying, no, 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 you don't need more. You are settling for less. He he defines our desires not too strong, but too weak. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We are half-hearted creatures, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. He's saying, don't settle, friends. That desire God gave you is a good one. Cultivate it. Grow it. Let it drive you to the thing that ultimately satisfies and so, the answer on how to overcome laziness and gluttony and, and self indulgence in our lives is not simply just to grit it out, not simply, he's not God's like, hey, just like be strong, pull up your bootstraps, you're gonna make it, it's gonna be all right. No, in fact, it is to pursue wholeheartedly what alone will satisfy you. And Jesus says it He says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because if you do, you'll be satisfied. Desire and pursue righteousness. And what's really cool, what I love about uh, his language there, is that just the terms hunger and thirst implies that it's very natural. Implies that our cravings and the fact that we want something more, the fact that we want fulfillment is something God gave us. It's a natural thing. And also what he means when he says uh, righteousness here is he just means a personal faithfulness and loyalty to God. He says, pursue personal faithfulness and loyalty to God. Pursue God and you will be satisfied. And so the path to long-term victory over sin is to gain a superior satisfaction in God. The path to long-term victory over sin is to gain a superior satisfaction in God. And so I just want to give us some practical steps this evening on what to do. How do I grow a hunger and thirst for righteousness or a superior satisfaction in God? And the first one is this. You need to believe that God alone can satisfy like we're never going to move the needle. We are never going to uh, be able to quit our uh, desires or our um, self-indulging hearts and, and uh, ways if we do not believe that God alone can satisfy. Here's what I want you to know. I just want to be so real with you. That belief, if you get there, that belief is going to be constantly challenged. There is never going to be a day that you wake up where that belief isn't challenged. Because there are going to be things that are in your face that, like, you know will bring you satisfaction like this. That belief is going to be constantly challenged. And so you need the truth of God's word. You need to know what God's word has to say. And then you need his people around you to remind you that God alone can satisfy you. So the first way to grow hunger and thirst for righteousness is to believe that God alone can satisfy. And the second way is this, is to discipline yourself discipline yourself to grow a taste for righteousness and a distaste for self-indulgence. And uh, I've just, I just simply, you can, there's lots of ways you could explain discipline. I just said it this way. Discipline consists, is consistently making the choice to do what is best. Not just what you want in the moment, but discipline is consistently making the choice to do what is best. It is a daily, moment by moment, Choice. Friends, be aware of your choices. If you really want to desire and pursue something that's going to satisfy you, you need to be aware of your choices. You need to discipline yourself in your choices. I've had someone explain it to me like this, and this is really helpful. Said discipline begets desire. Meaning it starts with just like getting out of I'm doing this thing because I know it's good for me. And that moves to this place of like, man, I, I like desire, like I want to do this. And then desire moves to a place of delight where you're going, I find life here. Not moving away from just like, man, I'm doing this because I know it's good for me. It's like, ah, I think I'm starting to enjoy. It's like, this is what life is about. Discipline begets desire. Desire begets light. And here's the thing, and we all know this, and I just want to be so honest with all of you, is that discipline does not feel good in the moment. It doesn't. Like discipline never feels good in the moment. If, if you're like me, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I like to work out. It's a thing that I do, really into CrossFit, you know, boo, yay, whatever. Um, uh, heart on my joints, whatever. Um, every single workout for me starts like this. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like every single workout starts like that. Like I, I just like don't want to. And every single one of it ends like this. I'm so glad I did. And friends, discipline isn't going to feel good. And Jesus also is incredibly honest about this. He speaks directly into it. Luke chapter nine, 23 to 25. Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he would gain the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? He's really honest. He says, following me equals denying yourself. But the promise he makes is wild. He says, if you deny yourself in this life for his sake, you will save your life for eternity. And I want you to know, friends, we, you and I, in and of ourselves, are unable to deny ourselves. Like, it's impossible. What's amazing is that when we trust in Christ and what he has done on a cross for us, that he actually gives us the strength and the power to like to turn away from the things that we want to turn away from the immediate gratification and satisfaction and to pursue wholeheartedly what's going to satisfy us. And so just to finish the point like the path the path to change self-indulgence is in believing a different promise for happiness. It's believing a different promise, believing the one person and one thing that can come good on that promise and it's Jesus and he says hunger and thirst for righteousness and here's what I want to close this evening I just want to welcome you into my life and what this journey of self indulgence of sin has looked like for me and so at 17 when people are graduating high school I was leaving home I was leaving home to pursue a career in riding bulls. I know that's really crazy. And, uh, but I, I was doing that because uh, I had found out that I was, like I had, I, there was a guy, friend of mine that said, hey, there's some guy who raised bucket bulls. You can go get on, uh, you can go pay $30 and get on. And I was like, man, I'm going to try that out. And then uh, as it turns out, I was good at it. And like, I was really good at it. So at 17, I left home to go pursue this dream. And here's what it did for me. I lived exactly how I wanted to every single day. I, I, was, I was making a lot of money. I was free to live. And I didn't have a coach. I wasn't tied to anything. I literally lived out of a minivan. I, I, have, I have rode bowls in almost every single state. It, it allowed me experiences. I, I'm a, I crave and desire and long for experiences. I got that in spades. Wherever I wanted to go, I could go. I was free. Relationships with women in in different cities every single weekend. Fame, people knew my name. Like I did it, like I got it. Like everything that I was pursuing, all those cravings that I wanted, God in his kindness allowed me to find that. And here's what I found. It was incredibly and devastatingly empty. In the middle, of like when I was at my peak, when I was like everything is going well, I, I, I couldn't be any better, like more people know my name, I have more money than they ever have, I'm dating someone who's beautiful. I had never felt so empty because the truth is, friends, you and I were never meant to be God in our lives. God is meant to be God. And if you don't know him, And if you don't know what it's like to be fully satisfied, I can tell you now on the other side of this, on the other side of pursuing all of my fleshly desires and finding it and making it, that the only time that I've truly felt satisfied is when I sit in a relationship with the one who created me and made me. And I want that same thing for you. But man, there's there's a hidden little thing in our hearts that hides itself, that we want to justify. It's a sin of self-indulgence, and it will rob you if you just hold on to the satisfaction it brings. And instead of running to the true satisfaction, it's only found in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I confess in my own life that even though I know these truths, that even though I know and understand and believe that you alone can satisfy You know, I, I, that, I, that I turn to myself that I, I frankly want to be God of my own life and I pray for every single so one of my friends that they would understand that there is more to be found there is more life life to the full you say found in you So would you give us the strength? Would you give us the courage? Would you give us the ability to deny ourselves, to let go of the things that we think are going to satisfy us and hold on to you, the only one who will satisfy? Father, forgive me, forgive us for the ways we turn from you and we look to satisfy ourselves with our own desires. And may you grow in our hearts a superior satisfaction in you and you alone. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that I can run to your word and be reminded of your truth. And Father, I just ask if there's anyone out there that doesn't yet know you, if there's anyone out there that is still sitting in in the desires of of thinking that they're going to find satisfaction and just the emptiness, they're sitting there empty, alone, wondering what happened, wondering how they got to this feeling of emptiness, this feeling of loneliness because they pursued all the things they wanted to. Father, would you just step into their life tonight and show them that you love them, and that they need you, and that life to its full is found in you. We love you lots. You know, we pray. Amen.